Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the Balloon Party. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan on this Friday morning here on 101 ESPN. You may have not heard from me for a while, so before we get going, uh, let me address this right away. And I spoke about this on the morning show few weeks ago with Randy and Carrie, but I I need to do it again, and I need to do it for the final time. This is it. Uh, Obviously, I've run into some personal problems this offseason to the point that I decided to step away from Cardinals baseball. Really tough decision for me, which has been my my passion and my life for nearly 30 years. However, I, I did need this time to focus on my family and my mental health, and I wrote a letter explaining what I deal with Uh, And for those that didn't read it, the letter is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, social media outlets. So uh, you can read it there, and it goes in depth to what I'm talking about now. I I suffer from massive depression and anxiety, and I've dealt with that for a long, long time, three decades. Uh, That can lead me to some dark places, and those places lead me to where I am today. I'm open about it because I know there's many that are, are like me, so I want to try to help some people along the way. And for myself, I have to pick myself up and move on. And part of that is doing what I love. And I love to broadcast. I love broadcasting. It's what I do. So with that in mind, you'll start hearing me more on 101 ESPN, filling in, uh, hosting, doing specials, whatever they want me to do, whatever they want to throw at me, I'm ready to go. And to say I'm excited would be an understatement. So I'm excited to be here talking to you today. I want to especially thank Hubbard Radio for believing in me. They've always stuck with me. John Kiowski, Tommy Mattern, they've been by my side here at 101. So, guys, all, all I can say is uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I really appreciate it. Okay, with that being said, time to move forward. Let's talk a little sports. My guest coming up in studio will be Martin Kilcoin, uh, the sports director at Fox 2, and you know Marty's always fun to listen to, and it should be a fun visit with him here in studio. March Madness is underway, and the uh, – Missouri Tigers pick up a win for the first time since 2010, 75 to 65 over Utah State head coach Dennis Gates. Well, I'm extremely proud of our uh, ball team. I think we did a tremendous job in our preparation, scouting report, but also research ever since we found out that we would would be playing Utah State. I think our studying uh, behind the scenes from the staff Uh, Our coaches, but also our players, played a part in our performance. Mizzou will next play at 510 tomorrow on TNT. It looks to be a better matchup for Mizzou because the NCAA tournament yesterday had a bunch of incredible upsets. The biggest one pertaining to Mizzou because 27 years after Princeton upset UCLA in the first round, the 15th seed, the Tigers of Princeton, take down another Pac-12 power in number two, Arizona, 
The head coach is Mitch Henderson. We were down the whole game um, and just made big plays. We, you know, that's a really good team. We out-rebounded them. Um, we had more points in the paint. Um, I thought we'd have to have five turnovers to get it done. We had 11. Um, but it's a heck of a win, and, and we're, we're so I'm so proud of them. Some other big upsets. If you missed it yesterday, 13-seeded Furman. They beat Virginia. And also a 4-13 matchup of the day went down to the wire. Louisiana losing to Tennessee by just three points. Even number one Houston struggled in its win over number 16-seed Northern Kentucky. NCAA Tournament Day 2 will tip off in about an hour or so. And here are the games that you have. And I know a lot of people just line up on their TV and, you know, lay on the couch and watch hoops all day. So here's what you got. USC, Michigan State, Kennesaw State, and Xavier. UC Santa Barbara against number three Baylor. VCU against St. Mary's. Vermont against Marquette. Pitt, Iowa State. NC State, Creighton. Iona and UConn. Iona's dangerous. I like Iona. Fairleigh Dickinson and Purdue. Providence and Kentucky. Drake against Miami. That's a good matchup. NBC, Drake Bulldogs. Uh, Grand Canyon against Gonzaga. Florida, Atlanta against uh, Memphis. You got Montana State against Kansas State. Kent State against Indiana. Arizona State and uh, TCU. So all, those are all the games coming up uh, this afternoon. And I believe the first tip is right around 11.10 or 11.15 our time here in St. Louis. So that's the news from NCAA Tournament Land coming up in studio. Martin Kilcoin, lot happening here in St. Louis. We'll get into that in the weekend. That uh, should be a lot of fun for sports fans. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Be careful out there. And I'll be back with Martin in just a moment on 101 ESPN. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Friday morning on 101 ESPN. I'm back in my old time slot filling in for Tim McKernan. And they call this the balloon party because they dive so deep into sports. And because we're diving deep and a deep look into what's happening, we're going to go through the X and O's of uh, the Battlehawks front line, obviously. We're going to do that, and there's no better guy to do that with than Martin Kilcoin, the sports director at Fox 2, who's decided to stop in in studio. How you doing, buddy? Dan, great to be with you. And, of course, I've been breaking down the film, the tape, for the defenders, the Battlehawks, I think it'll be decided up front. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. I think that's where that game is Defensive decided. or offensive? Both. Uh-huh. Both. Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. That's where it's decided. And these two teams, they don't like each other. There's some history here, Dan. Really? I mean, it goes back two weeks. Tell me weeks. about it. It goes back two weeks. I is mean, remember right? the end of that game, the defenders and the Battlehawks got into it. So, yeah, this is going to be a great sports weekend. Balloon party, by the way. And I'm sure the audience knows this. Tim has probably discussed it. But that was a great joe strauss phrase whenever he thought the local media was being too polite to one of the local teams might just have a balloon party <laughs> uh i have a picture of strauss at my Fox really? two desk yes on the wall and i occasionally will notice it and i just start laughing because joe was such the curmudgeon and john mozellick said they called him gloomy gus because he was always so Cynical, but he was unbelievable though at getting stories. Yeah, oh no, he had the sources, the scoops. But I would say that uh, the, the best way to describe Joe Strauss is that his game story the next day before at the, en- at the end of his career he was more of a columnist, 
But when he was the beat guy, and Mosaic and I would laugh about this because the first paragraph of the story, as the clubhouse becomes further fragmented and the manager <laughs> loses his grip on his fastball and a city's angst grows with each, each mounting day, the Cardinals somehow cobbled together a 12-1 win over the Braves. And you're like, wait a minute. It's 12-1. Wait a minute. Did they just win 12-1 and you're talking about how the, the clubhouse is fractured and the city is but on that edge? that was Joe. That was Joe. Yes, gloomy Gus because he would always phrase it uh, in just his own style. I asked him to do TV a couple of times. And he'd be like, why am I going to be on a puppet show on Saturday? Why, why would I want to do that? And maybe that was via text. And then I would say, okay, maybe he's not going to do it. And then he would call me. So uh, what time are we doing this? What's the attire? Yeah, <laughs> right. I think one of the, the Cardinal pregame shows I had the most fun is he and Burwell did it together. And I said, you guys are the two. We pulled the video, too, of the old guys, the Muppets, up in the balcony. Yes. And I should know their names, Stratford and Stratshire or whatever. I forget. But, well, Willie, what was hey, – you should have had that out in front of me, Willie. <laughs> but they, they reminded me of those old guys in the balcony. And uh, when, when Brian Burwell died, I remember Strauss got up very emotional, which we had never seen. It was at the funeral home. It was a Trader funeral home. It was a Thursday late afternoon evening – late afternoon because Jeff Fisher and Les Snead showed up. And they had a game that night. It was a Thursday night game. And people were saying, wow, whatever you think of Jeff Fisher's offense – or his seventy-nine. Show up, it yes. was like that was a pretty nice gesture. And Jeff had been in the league a long time, so he knew Brian and knew he'd been around and HBO and all of that. But Joe Strauss got up, and he, I actually went up and kind of helped him off the dais because he was crying so much he couldn't hold wow. it together because they had become that close. But the line he used, and we'll move on. But the line he used was he said about Brian. He said, uh, "You came here as a colleague. You became a friend." and you leave as family. How about that? And I thought, you know what, and maybe that's been written or said before, but I thought that was the most beautiful way to sum up their relationship, their friendship. And so Strauss had a way with words, even when mocking the likes of you and me by saying balloon party. I mean, we would probably walk in the clubhouse, oh, boy, here comes the balloon party. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure he did that. And I would be on the road a lot with him, and he was like that, and we'd talk about the local media, <laughs> and he would just blast everybody, including me, to my face and right in front of me. And I was like, Joe, what the hell do you want me to do? I'm, right. I'm you know, <laughs> working for an outlet that carries the, the game. Team. Right. What, what do you want called? from me? He said to me, he goes, it's not your fault you're a TV foof. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, it is a fun weekend. Some believe that this is the best weekend in sports because the NCAA tournament kicked off last night we saw mizzou play uh in the day game but it, it is a time by the way that uh, most people have their vasectomies this weekend and on either yesterday or friday i don't know if you knew that that is a proven fact that vasectomies... are you going into a live read now no i'm not <laughs> i but if you wanted if you do vasectomies just let us know here let at 101 know. espn but it, i'm dead serious no i've heard that in the masters week i've yes, also heard because people are just glued to their tvs in general terms mostly men are watching the ncaa tournament because of their vasectomies it's not about That's... breaking down the opening tip of mizzou or your favorite team which in your case is marquette it's about taking care of family business right <laughs> whatever you got to do to reserve that time <laughs> in front of the tv i was thinking about the tournament like when i really became glued to it and it would have been like eighth ninth grade and i became a georgetown fan i love patrick ewing so i was always the center dan you know i'm a Big timber here, yeah, and uh, great feet on yeah, the post. Yes, a lot Quick. of good, a lot of good footwork for me. 
But I, I started wearing in like sixth, seventh grade, I would wear like the T-shirt because Ewing was the first to wear that. Now it's his fault. All these guys in the NBA are wearing pajamas at night. Like they're wearing exactly. all this different stuff. But I love the Georgetown team. And when Freddie Brown threw the pass, threw it away, I was heartbroken because that team I really loved was Georgetown. I'm like, oh, this is. It was Villanova. It was, they're going to win it all. Well, they the North Carolina game. And North they, Carolina, yeah. They threw the ball away. And then a couple years later, got stunned by Villanova. But that's when I was glued to it. And I think when I just watched a team every game, it was NC State, which would have been that next year, had no real rooting interest in NC State, but kind of started pulling for him as an underdog. And then the game itself with the great Gary Bender on the call, the way it finished, Wittenberg, oh! Yes. That's when I, I, I think as a younger person, I would have been 14, 15, where I, I just was hooked. And for I'm, me. And, and, and there are other sports that I enjoy, and they have big games, and I enjoy them. But this, th- there's nothing quite like it. I uh, I was hooked into basketball, and I mean this sincerely, listening to Mike Kelly Mike left Kelly, elbow. left elbow, now to the top of the circle between hey, the... No, not now. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't interrupt. But I, I loved listening to basketball with, with Mike, and then when I really got hooked is watching Jerry Tarkanian and the Running Rebels of UNLV in the early 90s. That makes sense. You're a little younger than me, and so the, the, the towel and Grandma Law, Larry Johnson. So you had Larry Johnson, you had Stacy Ogman, you had Anderson Hunt... Moses Scurry, H. Waldman eventually wound up coming to St. Louis University and playing there. But I really got hooked with that. I got hooked into Spoonball, too. I used to go to the early games of SLU with Rich Grower at the old Keel. Had great seats because you could get those seats because no one was there. And at that time, my since-deceased father at that time, my dad's been gone a long time, but my favorite memories of my dad is going to the SLU games, and we're sitting at midcourt, two rows off the court, watching Monroe Douglas and Rolling Gray. So those are the three things that got me really to love college basketball. I love it. I love this weekend, and I still enjoy the tournament. I kind of went away from it when COVID hit. It was just an odd tournament. I think I felt that way with a lot of sports outside of baseball, but I still really get into it, and I bet I'm really into it. Uh, I was yesterday, and I'll be really into it this weekend. Of course, you'll be glued to the Marquette game later today. Who that's, do they, uh, that's who where do they play? your focus will be, Dan. Uh, they open with Vermont. Okay, For people that don't know, you went to Marquette. I think they know at this point. <laughs> it's, it's become a little obnoxious. I, I've never quite put it on TV. I mean, I'll make a joke here or there. One night, Marcus uh, Howard, a couple of years ago, scored like 55. And I said to my producer, I can show that, right? Come on. College kids scored. So I did. I said, here now, gratuitous Marquette highlights. So other- He scores 55. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that you got to show that. The audience wants to know that, Dan. Of course they do. They're so tied into Green Bay Packers, <laughs> obviously Marquette, and yeah. what's going on with Milwaukee Brewers. I, I know in, we were talking off the air when you walked in the studio you you kind of get into the uh, the Aaron Rodgers thing. I know that you're just waiting with bated breath to find out what happens here. And so so burnt out on the story, <laughs> and, and and we should all do a, a darkness retreat. I get it, and they would probably clear all of our heads. But so appa- he goes on a darkness retreat. That he came out of the darkness retreat and decided and says, I want to be a jet. And it was not a Jedi. He wanted to be a jet. He came out <laughs> of the, the retreat. Yes, I can't remember other than maybe, and I'm forgetting. I'm sure, but. Other than Brett Favre, where you had to go through almost this yearly courtship, like, do you like us? And how much do you? I feel like it's grade school. And they're passing a note back and forth. Do you like me? Do you really like me? And 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 he said, 
well, suddenly they don't like me as much as I thought they did. It's like, enough, just enough. Do you think it goes back to draft day? I mean, still to draft day with the chip on his shoulder and he drops so far and he's sitting in the green room and he's waiting to get drafted. And then he does by Green Bay with the idea that he's going to have to sit for a while and watch Brett Favre. I, I just wonder if, if he feels like, look, I've been a multiple MVP. I've put up big numbers. I'm going to go down as one of the greats in this game, certainly one of the greats in Green Bay Packers history, which has had a long lineage of great quarterbacks. But I, I do wonder if this all comes back to that point where he says, I still have a chip on my shoulder, and you should be wanting me. You should be courting me. I'm your man. I'm your guy, even though I'm close to 40 years old. I think it's just the way he's wired. I think, I mean, this is a guy who's estranged from his family. I don't know anything about it. I'm not commenting on that because I don't know. But he's just wired a little differently. My friends who cover that team say he has been diva-ish for a long time. Excuse me. It's not something new that he's always kind of had this air about him. He He's kinda, a different and, cat, man. And I and I great player. I've loved watching him. I I'm not a diehard Packer fan, but I've always rooted for them. Used to cover them. Uh, used to have a weekly segment with Brett Favre when I worked in Madison. It was what was that like before there was Zoom? So we were hooked up via satellite, and he did. And I was in Madison. He would do one in Wausau, Madison, Milwaukee, and, and just crank them out on a Monday. What I remember, and I was 26, 27 years old, and, and I'm like, wow, I'm interviewing Brett Favre every Monday. Stations would pay for it and make money off of it. At the beginning of the year, well, first of all, I'm like, I've interviewed you before, but using a big scrum. I said, we're going to be doing these. I said, the name's Martin, just so, you know, he doesn't get confused. And I said, you know, like Dean Martin and Dick Martin, and I'm naming all these really old comedians, <laughs> and he's my age, and he said, well, you mean like Martin, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that would have been the hip reference, uh -huh. Martin Lawrence. Yes, yeah, so then he knew exactly who I was, name-wise. And he said at the beginning of the year, he said, hey, man, you can ask me anything. And he said, don't hold back. And he said, if I throw a terrible pick to lose the game, this is before the season started, he said, you should bring that up. People want to hear me talk about it. And he said, and guess what? He said, I probably will throw a terrible pick to lose the game. He said it before the season. Yeah. And he's like, you can ask me. He was great to deal with, but it's interesting how Rodgers, who didn't really like dealing with him, and it was an awkward situation, has morphed into Brett Favre every year saying, I don't know if I want to retire. I don't know if I want to – do they love me enough? And then you end up going to where? The Jets. Yeah. Just like Brett Favre. It's unbelievable. Tony LaRusso was the same way. I used to do his TV show. We only had it for a couple of years. And I didn't know he had a TV show. He did. It was sponsored by Perina. Shocking. And so Were there just like animals crawling all over the whole time. He, would, he so I'd go down to the field and yeah, I'd find him. He would stop what he was doing in the middle of that out of respect to me, knowing I had stuff to do. He wanted to get it over. It was a two to three minute interview, but he would say before the interviews, "Hey, ask me about the lefty last night and why I brought him in." And it, and all of a sudden, it blew up in his face the night before. But I want to explain to the fans why I did what I did. Or, hey, Joe Blow, why did I pinch hit for him? Ask me about it. So it was great. He he lets you address the hard questions that people were talking about all day from the night before because he wanted to address it. The other great thing that he would do for me, and I really appreciated this, and I've had other managers, not all, but some managers do this, 
they would say, okay, Martin is in the bullpen, and if a lefty-lefty situation, say your lefty is coming up and it seems like the perfect time to bring you in, uh, he's dealing with a bad arm, bad shoulder. But if you could, just say he's feeling under the weather or, you know, he's got something going on, he's got the flu bug, whatever, and that would be covering his tracks and covering my tracks too. And I appreciated that. And people want to know, uh, going back to Green Bay, friends of mine produced the Mike Holmgren show. And if there was a terrible play at the end of the game, he would say, we're not showing that. So you have a half-hour show with a live-to-tape studio audience, and the elephant in the room is, boy, how about that fumble by Favre to end the game to lose? And he's like, yeah, we're not going to show that or get into that. And they're like, what? And, and they had to do whatever they were told. I mean, imagine hosting that show. How does it you know, happen? He wasn't a bad guy. At all. Everybody liked him, but he just had – he didn't think it was fair to the player. And I'm like, I, I think it's tough now to have an allegiance to one player. And you and I were talking about this off the air when we were talking about Rodgers. But in my wildest imagination, I, I thought there was no way Albert Pujols would leave St. Louis. I mean, that's a great example, maybe a good comp in different sports. But you, you, as a young fan, he's your guy. That's Albert. That's uh, Rodgers. It's maybe for some Zeke Elliott who's leaving Dallas. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just free agency and money has really changed everything in terms of just trying to dive into one player and say, that's my guy and he'll never leave here. And that's when you, when you look back at like a Bob Gibson, like, well, where did he play? St. Louis. Yes. Stan. Stan. All where did he play? And I know it changes. But even Ozzy, who did play for the Padres at the end, you know, what was he here? 15 years in St. Louis. He did play in San Diego, but it was it was an awkward. As we know, he and Tony didn't get along. I think that's been well documented. But you just wanted him to end it here. And when you saw Steve Carlton pitching, and granted, he'd been with St. Louis and been with Philly, so it's not necessarily the same. But sometimes when these guys leave right at the end, it just doesn't feel right. And I, it doesn't matter. I mean, if Rodgers goes to the Jets and they play well and they win, he'll be – and that's the thing in New York. He loves the attention. I mean, the perfect place to go. But, yeah, when Albert left, I think it stung the DeWitts. I think it stung the fan base because they wanted him to be Stan and not leave. Now, he had an unbelievable way of coming back. It just worked out to his credit that season last year. It sort of just – it was almost like he never left. Everybody kept saying that. And so he he did put a bow on it at the end. But it would have been different had he never left. I was a pallbearer at – and I was very honored to be asked at Tim McCarner, uh, McCarver's funeral. And Steve Carlton was there. He was a pallbearer as well. Every time I see him, I think about him leaving St. Louis. And I don't think many people know this story. I was out to dinner one night with Gibson. This is incredible. Carlton, Tim McCarver, Dick Zitzman, who was a longtime agent, if you will, of Stan the Man, and some of them. Like business partner. And, yeah. Exactly. And I don't think people know this because they think that the separation was $5,000, which is true. Uh, with him going to Philly and he was having an argument with ownership and he wanted more money, he was going and walking down the hall to sign the deal to stay in St. Louis. And then he got traded. He found out on his way down the hall. So he was literally steps away from maybe changing the fortunes of the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1970s. Because if you think about if he stays, they win a lot. He was. On, you I had mean, Simmons, and then Hernandez was coming. Yeah, you, had some, you had some Templeton. You had decent players, and you were close a couple of years too. Yeah. If you have him, he takes you to postseason play. Pretty amazing story. You know, I just thought of another one, and I, it's you know your buddy Bernie Federico because he was really upset when they traded him to oh, Detroit. He was pissed, and that was contract and bad management and bad communication. All of a sudden, he shipped to Detroit. I think he was stunned, and he only did one year up there. And I think he was just miserable, and that was it. So his Blues career. 
I mean, his NHL career was all blues except for that one season at the end in Detroit, and that's another example. That's Martin Kilcoin, the director of sports at – that's my Mike Kelly. Uh, are you the director it? of sports. The intercollegiate athletics administrative director for the University of Missouri. Systems. Columbia. He always – Next on the Tiger <laughs> Network, powered by <laughs> – You have to read off like 18 <laughs> sponsors. That That's a tough gig, getting to break. Oh, I know, I, we're going to break. Last Joe Strauss story. I just and you thought, can stick around one more segment? Sure. Okay. For you, Dan, yes. Thank you. Uh, Joe Strauss's funeral, they invited people to get up and speak. And the main speaker was uh, a baseball columnist from the Baltimore Sun, I believe the Baltimore Sun, Peter Schmuck, who was a friend of Joe's. So then when I got up there and I said, and I kind of imitated Joe's voice, and I said I could just hear him now saying, great. And I'm not going to do the voice, but I just said, yeah. great, another schmuck speaks at my funeral. <laughs> And, you know, it got some laughs. A couple months later, I'm at spring training in Jupiter. But at spring training, Ken Rosenthal walks by on the, the sidewalk outside the Cardinal Clubhouse. He goes, another schmuck spoke at the funeral. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm glad to know it stuck. That's Martin Kilcoin for Fox 2. I'm Danny Mac filling in for Tim McKernan. And this is 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin filling in for Tim McKernan. He'll be back with you next week here on 101 ESPN. And in studio, the sports director from Fox 2, kind enough to stay for another segment, and that is Martin Kilcoin. You know, Marty, we were talking about the Battle Hawks and the excitement around that. I mean, to have nearly 40,000 people coming to their games, it's, it, I'm sure for the rest of the country, kind of shocking to see a crowd of, of that magnitude for XFL. I think the other thing that's shocking is MLS. And it's not shocking to me when I was really pushing for this. I knew, I really did. I, I'm not just saying, well, I I'm told you so. I really knew that this would be a remarkable experience for fans with the soccer community that's here. I've told you many times, uh, my youngest is training with City. He's He's been offered to do that, and he loves it. These kids of that age group are loving it. It's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But for them to get off to this 3-0 start and to generate even more excitement, it didn't matter if they were 0-3. It still would have been exciting. It's pretty amazing to see what's happening with this team. It it seems like everything is going their way. Yet, if you think about it, they did have some hiccups. I mean, first of all, they had a whole year delay. The pandemic happens while they're about to be the next thing. They hit pause, gave them an extra year, worked out great, gave them time to get everything lined up. It feels like a year ago would have been a little bit hurried. So they had to wait an extra year, and the fan base had been waiting decades to have a team, had to wait a little bit longer. And then last fall, I mean, the power got knocked out. That was a disaster, and it was two months, I believe. Yeah. So they'd had some hiccups along the way, because I said to Carolyn Kindle, everybody thinks, oh, it must be nice, everything's going. She said, trust me, there have been a lot of headaches to get to this point. But now the season starts, and not only are they winning, 
They're winning in come-from-behind fashion in a sport that's not high-scoring. You fall down one zip, it's probably the baseball equivalent of 4 nothing in the yeah. third inning or something. So it's the way they're playing in addition to just the excitement that was going to be there no matter what. And then you had a St. Louis kid that's in high school. It's unbelievable. On the team, it's probably a month ago, on a Friday, I went down to the the training facility. And by the way, Dan, when they have practice, it's called training, okay? On the pitch. Yeah, it's not practice. It's They're getting ready for the match. Just it's, say it's it, you're on the field. They have a game this weekend. No, it's a match. I don't care. It's Dan, a game. Give me, it's, your, give me that scarf back. Taylor Twelman so was he, with me, and he said it's a game. So go ahead. Okay, thank you. Well, he's... And, his interview was all about the excitement, how he has been, much like yourself, waving the banner forever, saying we need this to happen. And then he said, can you imagine when we get a St. Louis kid on the team playing for City? And I was like, oh, that would be cool. And I didn't know the roster that well. Now I've got it memorized. But No, you don't. After the first game, I said at work over at Fox 2, our producer Dave Job, I said, wait a minute. We have a St. Louis kid, and he's already playing. Game one, and now he started in the game against Portland. Miggy Perez, Miguel, they call him Miggy, Miguel Perez. He's a senior at Pattonville High School. And I'm like, again, they, it's every box you could check to generate more excitement is what I'm saying. Beautiful stadium, great opening night, and then you have a chance to be historic. No expansion team in the MLS has ever gone 4 0. So you took, you took the, in the words of Spinal Tap. You took it one louder. Everything was already so exciting. And yesterday, I'm taking my kids down to City Museum. They're off school, and we're driving downtown, and we went by the soccer stadium. And I, the 6-year-old, the 12-year-old, I rolled down the windows, and I said, we're right in front of Maggie O'Brien's. I rolled down the windows, and I said, look at that. And they both had the same, wow, it's so big. And I'm like, yep, it looks massive. It does. And then you go inside, and I'm like, 225. But that, that spot downtown, it looks massive. Anyway, I, the excitement is genuine, and I think they would have had a honeymoon and will have a honeymoon for several years. Like, they could be the worst team in the That's league. That's what I mean. If you started 0-3, it'd still be exciting. Yeah, and now you add to it that they're good. Now, it'll be a little chilly Saturday night, but uh, everybody bring your scarf, which they were already planning on. You don't have to worry about right. that. I, I think the residual effect of what happens with soccer in this town by what's going on now will be felt for years. And what I mean is is that the, the excitement of your youngsters at home, my kid, there's going to be a wave of just unbelievable talent coming out of St. Louis. It was already there, so don't get me wrong. The talent was already already being produced by the clubs like Lou Fuse, Gallagher, and some of the others that are out there. But now that City has a, a, a program, too, for some of the young kids to pipe on through, and the fact that the team is, is doing well – Kids love soccer. It's exciting. You have your stadium. I, I just think the residual effect, you're going to start seeing a lot of kids, and whether or not they make it pro is is beside the point, but a lot of kids going on with scholarships and, and playing beyond just their high school years. I, I really believe that. I think you're going to see a ton of kids gravitate towards this sport, maybe say goodbye to other sports, which I don't like. I think you should play sports year-round if you can, the various different sports but we've gotten so segmented with a portion of well if you're a soccer player you got to play year-round basketball play year-round baseball play year-round throw that out the window I just think you're going to see a lot of kids playing soccer in let's say what do you think 10-15 years some of these young kids that get to be Miggy Perez and all of a sudden they're playing beyond what we normally would see at Pattonville High School you know, I think you're right. I think it, it elevates the game locally, and it, it gives you more of a carrot dangling in front of you. If you're a young kid that's, I wouldn't mind one day 
being a pro? How many kids get in their backyard my age? It's, I want to be Willie McGee. I want to be 100%. Ozzie Smith. I was one of them. I mean, I want to be Jack Clark. And now you got kids saying, I want to be Miggy Perez. I want to be Klaus. I want to be, yeah. one, I want to be on the pitch with these guys. I think there's no doubt. You already have a great soccer community. But this, I think, does elevate it a little bit. I'm going to throw something at you that oh, no. we uh, talked you about. Pick, so you're picking something. I thought you were literally going to throw it at me. No, 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 no. This is a couple. Are these quick hits? Do, no. Is this no hedging? No, not, not at all. We're not going to do that. But this if is your something... life depended on it. What, what, what is it? Which pitcher would you use tonight, Tony? You're like, why does my life depend on it? <laughs> yeah, and that's an ode to Frank Cusimano. Of course. The great Frank Cusimano with the quick hits. And you can't hedge. But a lot of times it would come down to... If your family's safety is on the line, who do you want at left tackle? I'm like, my family's safety? <laughs> it just, it always felt a little dramatic. I went Orlando Pace. Yeah. It was, Pace I like to save you, my family. I made fun of the premise, and then you gave me an actual answer. Thank That's you, That's true. Thank you, Dan. Um, I've been thinking about this with the young man, Jordan Walker. So, a couple of things. If he's not on the opening day roster, do you think that uh, the fans will go crazy if he's not here? Uh, I think online, this is my theory, people online are always mad. So the people in the building are always happy, for the most part. The people that go to the games are the ones who love everything they do. Handful will boo or shout. But for the most part, that real you know, franchise frustration is an online phenomenon more so. People that hate Mazalek, I think, are more on Twitter and everything he does is stupid and the DeWitts are cheap. All that stuff that circulates online isn't felt in real life like on the field or in the building so i I think i think people would be upset but it wouldn't take away from opening day or your excitement for the season however i think it would kind of feed that narrative like you don't want to win what are you doing here the cba has changed that if if you decide to not worry about the service time and then the the player winds up being uh you know rookie of the year or finishing in the top five whatever it's not costing the team it's not costing the player his service time there's there's a way around it but the player has to perform at a high level to make sure that that service time is adjusted for him and that that to me is fair with the new cba that was because the chris bryant thing uh, yeah exactly first you know, thought uh, dylan like, Carlson, why is he not here why is he not here it's like well we don't start the clock but the thing is the cardinals for the most part have not done that if there has been a young player and they've had a lot come through and they feel that he can get to the big leagues and they use that as a carrot for those kids that are in the minor leagues to be promoted there was one year that over 50 percent of their minor league players were promoted from one level to the next not necessarily going from triple a to the majors but triple a or double a to triple a you know, single A ball or rookie ball moving up, all that stuff. It's the carrot that they put out in front of these guys to say, look, you have a chance to move. If you perform, we are not going to hold you back. And I, I think it's a misconception among fans that they will hold these players back. They don't do that. If you're good enough to help them, they're going to bring you up. Well, and a lot of times they don't go out and sign people and they say, well, we got enough competition within. We got we, we don't want to block Yepes. We don't want to block Walker. We want to give them opportunity. It's crazy that Walker is the next big thing, and in the same game where he comes back from an injury and everybody's like, ooh, thank God, he's okay, Nolan Gorman goes two for three drives and three runs. And I said on Fox 2, wait a minute, wasn't wasn't he the next big thing like a minute ago? Yeah, he's been a forgotten man. I mean, Dylan Carlson, we couldn't wait for the the pandemic year for him to get called up. I I wouldn't write off Carlson or Gorman just yet because it's only been a year or two when they were the next big thing. And I'm sure the Cardinals are aware of this. I just think fans and media, we've moved on. 
you know, hey, yeah. look, shiny lamp over there. And we forgot about the guys who were already been there. I was looking at, I think this is fascinating what the Cardinals may do, because this is the biggest prospect, in my opinion, that they've had since probably Oscar Tavares. And then prior to that, maybe Albert Pujols. Okay, so there's a few things I was thinking about. Would you go the route of, Does my family's safety depend on this? No, it doesn't. Okay. Not at all. It, your financial stability for the Walker family may. And so here's what I'm thinking about. There have been guys that have, with zero service time, gotten these massive extensions. So, Well, the Diamondbacks just did it. Yes. I think it was like eight years, $100 million. So there's Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez of the White Sox, uh, Evan White of the Mariners, and I'm going to miss some guys too. I'm just going off the top of my head. But Scott Kingery of the Phillies, that didn't really work out. John Singleton of the Astros is one of the first guys that they did that back in like 14 or 13. Basically like lock that. them up before they've done anything at the big league level. Matt Moore was one. Evan Longoria of the Rays was one. So, And there's been other guys that obviously you get a year of service time, you know that this is a player you know that he's made the adjustments and adjusted against the league, and then they lock him up. I, I just wonder if they're kicking around the idea with Jordan Walker and saying, let's buy out arbitration, let's get a few years of free agency, and let's give this kid a ton of money. It's a risk on our side. We get it, but we believe in him. And maybe from a player's perspective, it's a risk on their side. The risk is that you might be the best player in the game and be vastly underpaid. However, you've made life-changing generational family generational money so it's a risk on both sides and I, I just wonder if the cardinals are even thinking about that they they gave albert the hundred million dollars and that was like but, wow back but, in the day but he had already played he couple had of years that's my point do you wait until it's a year or two and then decide to do it which at that point too if you're the cardinals could cost you millions of dollars up, more sure. yeah or do you say no we're not going to do that we're going to play this thing out i i just think that this is the cat and mouse game on the financial side of baseball right now when you get a prospect like this? I think it's probably taking place. Whether the Cardinals have made that offer yet or not, or they've talked to the agent, I think it comes down to what's the number. Like the Cardinals probably have a max in mind, and then the agent says, sure, we'll do it if you get to 115 or something really huge. And the Cardinals are like, well, we were thinking 80, which is a lot of money, changes your life. And if you're that player, granted, the agent and your family is going to weigh in. The problem is... How can you turn... What if they said... And it's not enough if you're a superstar, but you haven't done anything at the big league level. And if they said, we'll give you $75 million, $80 million, and the agent's like, no way, that's way too low. How do you turn down... I don't know. $75, Especially, Martin, if you're a pitcher... You can't turn that money down because Maybe you're a shoulder offer, injury don't away. offer it if you're a team. Yeah. That's interesting. We should see how many of these guys locked up are pitchers. Because, Not many. They're position because, players. Right. I think that's a big difference. And Cardinals probably wouldn't be offering it. Matt Moore was a pitcher, and he was one that they did that with. So if I'm – and I don't know the backstory if they even did this with Jack Flaherty, but a few years ago, if they came to Jack Flaherty and said – Hey, and this is when he was Is this before dealing. 19 yeah. or after 19? This is when okay. he's dealing. During 19, maybe. Correct. And if they came to him and said, hey, we've, we've got $80 million on the table, I I don't understand whether it's flared. And again, I don't know if they offered him that. But I'm just saying, in general, with any pitcher, you've got to take the money. And if you're a position player, you're one wild pitch to the, the cheekbone to being out of the game. How much is enough? And always remember... The agent is supposed to work for the player, and it's not. It's the other way around now, way too much. The player's working for the agent, and the Players Association is going to get involved, and they're going to say, no way 
are you to take that 80 to 90 million dollars because you might get 140 that's that's insane to me you know who stood up to and i don't know exactly how it played out but who basically took that kind of heat like what are you doing was nolan arnado when he came here from colorado they had to rework the deal a little bit and then the players association is like you better go the back on the market and then this year had the chance to decline the option and again they're saying look at what machado got and he to the point where he went on mlb radio and said listen I know it looked bad. It made me look bad. And I'm thinking, made you look bad? But why, why are we making him a hero? He's, he's going to make. Well, no, because he. I understand but that. Because but because he on, didn't man. do what How they much all, do you want? Well, but he, that's what he said. That's exactly what he said is, I have plenty of money. How much do I need? Exactly. But he said what we've all been saying for years, and the players and the agents never say it's good enough. And he said, he's not trying to be a hero. He's asked about it because Machado gets this huge deal. And he said, yeah, maybe I look bad, but I just felt like I got plenty. I got more than I'll ever need. And I was like, thank you for saying that. You're right. You don't get a parade or a balloon party because <laughs> because you said what the sane person in the room would say. But baseball is often insane when it comes to logic and money. So I give him kudos for that because there was pressure behind the scenes when the deal was done to come here and then with the opt-out. And he said no to the, Basically, the powerful union, like, I'm doing it my way. I'm not picking on Nolan Arnato. I know you love the guy. I'm just saying. I love him. But he said, it made me look bad. That was his quote. And I'm like, no, in St. Louis, it made you look even. If they didn't already love the guy, that'll do it. That solidified it for sure. Hey, we got to wrap this thing up. What are you working on uh, this weekend on Fox 2? I'm off off this weekend, Dan. It's actually my birthday today. Happy birthday. St. Patty's Day. We got a kill coin. Uh, my brother was named Patrick, so people are always like, how can you not? My mom in the hospital years ago said, people are like, what are you going to name the baby, Patrick? He's like, well, my other son is named Patrick. Too late. So all I really want for my birthday, Dan, is, first of all, a great radio segment is always high I had my, no idea. That's I'm sorry. My list. Happy it's birthday. Okay. All I want is a Marquette Sweet 16 appearance. Okay, I'm getting a little greedy, okay? Got to win Friday. Got to win Sunday. They're playing up in Columbus. That'll be the perfect weekend. Very quickly, I have something in common with you. My birthday is on Saturday, so I'm the day after St. Patty's. St. Joseph's holiday, isn't that, or is that the Sunday? I have no idea. Oh, my Catholic. Please text in uh, the hotline and, and say it's Nice work, for. CBC. Why, with did, why didn't you have the Catholic calendar hanging on the wall here at the balloon party? My grandpa was upset that my mom did not give birth on St. Patrick's Day because he wanted a Patrick. He Now his daughter was Pat, my Aunt Pat, but he was really upset with my mom, who's nine months pregnant and dying What are we doing here? here? Let's yeah. have the kid already. Pissed. <laughs> I thought it was Happy funny. birthday to you, Dan. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to birthday you. to everyone out there. That is Martin Kilcoin for Fox 2. I'm Danny Mack. This is the Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Once again, I want to thank uh, Martin Kilcoin for stopping by in studio as I'm back at 101 ESPN. Danny Mac with you. First round action of the NCAA tournament tips off again today in about uh, 15, 20 minutes or so. 101 ESPN is getting on the madness with a live broadcast at Max Downtown Alton. So we'll be live from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 to 2, the fast lane 2 to 6. You got food, plenty of screens to watch all the first round madness and more and have a chance to score a pair of tickets to Metallica at the Dome on Sunday, November 5th. I don't know where the cough button is. I got to get back in the swing of things. 
BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane are both live this uh, Friday and then the weekend games you can hear right here on 101 ESPN. But Max Downtown in Alton. Once again, I want to thank uh, John Kiowski, Tommy Mattern, uh, the brains behind the scenes here at 101 ESPN for sticking with me and let me come back and uh, enjoy getting behind the microphone. Thanks to all the fun texts that I've had uh, throughout the show. And Martin's great. Martin is, is fun to listen to, fun to do a show with. So thanks a lot, Martin, for coming on in. This is the, these are the games, by the way, that are tipping off in about 20 minutes. It's USC, Michigan State. And the way that they do this is that they'll have that first game going for probably a half hour, and then it really gets going. Kennesaw State, Xavier, Baylor is playing at around 1230. Uh, VCU, St. Mary's, you got Vermont, Marquette, Pitt, Iowa State. That's a good one, 11 and a 6. I think that's probably not probably where it needs to be, but we'll see how it plays out. NC State, Creighton, and the one I'm looking forward to is Iona and UConn. I'm fascinated with Rick Pitino. I always have been fascinated with Rick Pitino. I was doing a slew game last year, and we were set up right in front of his bench or right to the right of his bench, and to watch him coach, to watch him in his mannerisms, I love it, and it probably is his last game at Iona. I would imagine that he is, if he doesn't advance, that he is on his way to a bigger school than Iona. Rock, thanks for helping out. Thanks to Mike Ryder. Thanks to everybody for listening. And don't forget, coming up, BK and Ferrario live from Max in downtown Alton here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to The Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.